This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, the podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Alec or Ren, and today I am not joined by my equity buddy Bryce, but I am excited for this one. It is a particularly special episode. At the start of the year, we launched a segment, Uncovered. There are so many great companies out there, so many potential investing opportunities, But unfortunately, media and analyst coverage really focuses on the biggest companies, the top end of town. And what we wanted to do with Uncovered was to look at the smaller end of the market and find those fascinating stories worth telling. After a few segments on the Equity Mates podcast and realizing how much we loved telling these stories, we have gone and launched a separate podcast, Uncovered by Equity Mates, where you're listening to this podcast right now, you will be able to find it. And for this very first standalone episode of Uncovered by Equity Mates, I'm joined by Scott Kirkland, who is the co-founder and CEO of EM Vision Medical Devices, ASX ticker EMV. They are working on a portable brain scanner for stroke victims. Now, I won't get into the data around strokes, but a lot of it really blew my mind. Uh, Scott does a great job of unpacking it in this episode, but it is worth noting that AM Vision encapsulates everything we're trying to do here with Uncovered by Equity Mates. It's a small ASX listed company that doesn't get a lot of media attention. It's working on a really hard problem. And if it's successful, it could have a profoundly positive impact on people's lives. So good luck to Scott and the AM Vision team. Now, before we get to it, I want to stress this is not a buy, hold or sell recommendation. What we're trying to do here with Uncovered is tell the story of these companies but it is the starting point of your research process. Seek professional advice if you need it and make your own assessment. And another important reminder that while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any advice is general advice only. But with that said, let's jump into my interview with Scott Kirkland for our very first standalone episode of Uncovered by Equity Mates. Scott, thanks for joining Uncovered by Equity Mates. It's a pleasure to be here, Alec. Now, this is a fascinating story, one that I wasn't familiar with. And I really want to start with uh, just the, I guess, the issue of strokes, because some of the stats really astounded me. So let me just read some of them out. One in four people globally will have a stroke in their lifetime. Worldwide, it's the second leading cause of death and the third leading cause of disability. They're pretty astonishing numbers. Can you bring us back to Australia? How big an issue is strokes in Australia? And can you give us some of the numbers there? They're pretty, they're pretty alarming when you read them out. Uh, 
So in Australia, there's around 50,000 strokes each year and the health economic impact is estimated around $6 billion per annum. So it is a life-changing event. It's a huge societal burden. It's a huge health economic burden. There are very effective treatments. So that's that's the positive. Yeah. On on the treatments, like before we start talking about uh, the role that EM Vision wants to play, it would be good to understand, you know, the world as it is now and, and how strokes are monitored and treated today. Sure. So with a stroke, there, there are two types. There is either a blockage in a blood vessel, an ischemic stroke, or a bleed, a ruptured blood vessel, a hemorrhagic stroke. Blockages account for about 80%. And what is consistent across both types is time is brain. So there are... Brain, millions of brain cells dying every minute. The quicker it can be diagnosed, the quicker it can be treated, the better the outcome. And the treatment paths are very different. If it's a blockage, you want to restore blood flow in the brain. There's a drug known as TPA. It's a bit like Drano. A bit more sophisticated. <laughs> Clears the blockage, restores the plumbing in the brain. Uh, if, it's, if there's a, a bleed, the, there might be neurosurgery, trying to control that bleed, lowering blood pressure. Very different um, treatment pathways. But the earlier clinicians can figure out the type of stroke diagnose, treat, the better the outcome. Today, the workhorse in stroke is CT. Great images, and they have been the workhorse for a whole lot of brain imaging since, you know, 70s. And they, they obviously get better each year, but they are still very, very large machines. So even the smaller mobile versions are 600-odd kilos. They're driven like a forklift. They're big. They're, there's a whole lot of infrastructure investment, uh, and they need specialist operators, a radiographer. Yeah, yeah. So that's the gap. So there isn't anything that's portable, that's like an ultrasound, you know, easy to use, can be brought to the patient, that can be operated by uh, anyone with the appropriate training, any healthcare professional with the appropriate training, uh, and that's the gap. Yeah. But ultrasound's really bad at doing the brain, so that's really the gap we're filling. So like ultrasound, but, but imaging the brain at the point of care. Yeah, okay. So time is brain. That's mm. a, I like that one. That's um, a good line. So that's the, I guess, the world as it is now. Let's talk about the world that uh, you guys are trying to, to build and the change mm. you're trying to affect. This uh, technology came out of the University of Queensland and their commercialization company, Uniquest, uh, wrote something about the device that I think frames, I guess, the scale of the ambition. Uniquest wrote, this device could well have the same life-saving potential as the widespread introduction of defibrillators 20 years ago. Big call. I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and, and there's a whole Packer-Wacker story we can talk about when Packer, I think, fell off a horse at a polo match, had a heart attack. An ambulance happened to be there with a defibrillator, saved his life. He then spent you know millions of dollars to roll them out widely across New South Wales. But it, it is a huge market, absolutely. But I think for us, we don't want to be you know 343rd CT manufacturer. We're, we're focusing on a one-of-a-kind device or devices uh, in an ecosystem with effectively no or very little competition. Yeah. So, so that's one of the important elements to appreciate. We're not trying to replace CT or MRI. We're focusing on the environments where clinicians need brain imaging. They need to, a more objective view of what's going on with the patient, but CT isn't practical or accessible. So the, the ambulance portable device or the, even just the backpack version is pretty fascinating. And I, I guess for the, the one in the hospital, you understand like, um, you know, rather than taking a patient to the device, you can sort of constantly monitor them in where they are in the hospital. Uh, but for the ambulance and the portable one, can you talk to us about, you know, the use case and the potential for that? Mm, sure. And, and we're taking all, all the learnings from our hospital device and, and transporting that to our ambulance 
version. The next milestone we have coming up into this quarter is the fabrication of an advanced prototype. And then we uh, roll into healthy volunteer studies with that device. And then next year, we're slated for road and air ambulance trials. So it's, it's moving along nicely. The headset we're targeting under 10 kilograms, ca- literally carried in the backpack by paramedics. Uh, they can bring it into the scene. You know, if the patient's had stroke on the floor, third floor of the you know, apartment building, they can bring it up, scan the patient at home. And there's a few things that, that we really want to help answer. The first of which, is it a stroke or not, right? Because up to 50% of patients presenting with stroke-like symptoms can have a mimic. So, Oh, wow. A, a, a migraine, epileptic fit, rare cases, brain tumor. So figuring out, is it a stroke or not first? And, and in the world today, you don't know that until you get them to the hospital and scan there? there? There's something called stroke scales, which is it's almost like a physical exam slash questionnaire that paramedics can administer. But it's, it, it's helpful, but it's not super sensitive and specific. Yeah. yeah. It's not a brain scan. It's not a brain scan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And, and it's all about combining outputs from a brain scanner with those tests yeah, yeah, yeah. as they would with a CT. So paramedics op- run the scan and it's very quick, you know, so our first generation device, you know, targeting under five minutes for, for, for the scan process. The outputs can then be sent to the hospital, to the neurologist. And again, we want to ask, is it a stroke or not? If it is a stroke, what type? Is it the ischemic, the blockage or hemorrhagic or bleed? Where is it? Show us a picture. Where is it approximately in the brain? And figure out where do we first, where do we send them? because maybe the nearest hospital isn't the right place. It might be better to go further to a comprehensive stroke center that has the Drano, the TPA <laughs> that we were talking about earlier, or, or um, something called thrombectomy, which is the surgery to, to, to remove the clot. Or you know, really where, where we're ultimately heading, and we're working with a group called the Australian Stroke Alliance, and the longer term ambition is to open the door to being able to administer those drugs on scene. And they have a... Um, something called a mobile stroke unit operating in Victoria at the moment. It's a multi-million dollar truck with a CT scanner on the back, uh, inside rather, and a van following behind with specialised staff. And they're turning up to code strokes or suspected strokes within 40 kilometres of the Royal Melbourne Hospital. And they tell us stories about seeing patients that have paralysis all down one side of their body. And they'll assess them, they'll look at their symptoms, their history, they'll give them a scan. And if they're eligible, they'll treat them. And literally 45 minutes later, they can use, move their arm, they can move their leg. You know, they can walk out of hospital on their own steam. Um, and, but, but there's a very small amount of patients that are receiving that level of particularly what's called golden hour care. So the idea is if you have something portable, lightweight, operated by paramedics, you don't need to customise an ambulance, uh, you can deploy that widely, not just urban, but particularly regional, rural settings, remote communities where there's a really big need. It's really, it's really exciting and it's quite inspiring to like just think about all of the, the in, incredible medical devices and you know, new drugs that are being developed and you, know, you talking about the potential use cases. It's, it's great to hear. It makes me feel confident that if I'm one, the one in four people that unfortunately have a stroke that you know, you're working on better and better ways to help me. Touch wood. Touch yeah. wood. You're not. You're not but yeah. It, the, the future is definitely bright. And I think, you know, 20 years ago, it, it wasn't that case for stroke, but, but the, the future is definitely getting brighter. That's for sure. So let's take us back to the University of Queensland. Sure. And, and I guess take us through the journey of how this technology was developed and I guess the, where it is now. Sure, sure. So going back, I mean, the, the journey with the underlying technology at the University of Queensland started around 2008, 2009, um, very talented research team over 20 
20 individuals there led by uh, Amina Bush, Professor Amina Bush and Stuart Crozier. Stuart Crozier is now our Chief Scientific Officer. Um, and just, just yeah. sorry to interrupt, but to pause on their credentials, uh, I think, was it Stuart was uh, instrumental in developing the MRI? It, he, he, instrumental in developing a, a image correction technique, an IP that is now in two-thirds of all MRIs. Okay. So yeah. he's, he's licensed at GE and Siemens and it's like, Billions of scans worldwide have, yeah, wow. have, have been impacted. So that's, yeah, Stuart's got fantastic credentials. So when we came along 2015, 2016, there was a very promising concept idea in the lab, this, this you know, miniaturized prototype that could image the brain, but we needed to take it out of the lab and develop a prototype that would be suitable to go on patients. And, you know, we did that with a successful proof of concept study we ran at the Princess Alexandra Hospital with our earlier clinical prototype, which I don't know if you've seen a picture. It looks a bit like R2-D2. It's, <laughs> it's, it's got that kind of, it's even blue and white, but, uh, but it's small and we could prove out the concept. We could take the imaging to the patient. We could capture signals that our algorithm team could make sense of and see. We've got this capability to differentiate between stroke types. Is it a bleed? Is it a blockage? And, and generate images. So... From there, fast forward, we had to go from a clinical prototype to a what we call a commercial unit. So designed for manufacture, robust, uh, meeting international medical device standards, uh, and we're now running much larger trials to generate the data we need for FDA, CE, TGA to begin marketing the product. Yeah, the, uh, the trial process for any medical device or anything like that just seems like a, just a long, a long time. And so you started Princess Alexandra Hospital in Brisbane? And then uh, you had your first clinical trial in Liverpool Hospital in Sydney, uh, and you're now preparing a, another clinical trial, Royal Melbourne Hospital. I imagine you're getting the, the frequent flyer miles up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. Just on, on, your, on your comment about the process, it, it, it does take time. It's a medical device. You, know, yeah. you need to prove it's safe and effective, and, and we are doing something novel. So you need to prove from ground principles, you know, you're not another ultrasound or another CT. But... You know, you compare it to phase three drug development, you know, our clinical trials are less than $4 million at the moment, right? Mm. Phase three is 50, 100, 150, you know. So, so uh, and you don't have, you know, that binary risk element that you can get in, in, in pharma. So it does take a long time, but I think there are quite a few advantages with the medical device pathway. So we ran that proof of concept study at Princess Alexandra in Brisbane. We're now running a multi-center study, which has three sites. So Liverpool, and Royal Melbourne, both those sites are live and enrolling. And then the Princess Alexandra will be enrolling, hopefully by the time this airs, we're enrolling patients uh, up in Brisbane. And there are a couple of phases to that. There's a pre-validation phase focused on generating safety data, hardware verification, usability, and more data to feed into our AI models. Mm. And then there's a subsequent validation phase to confirm our sensitivity and specificity. And so at the end of that process, we go to the FDA and TGA, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And so early days, but what uh, what have you seen so far? From the current study? Yeah. Stay, stay tuned on the ASX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uncovered, where every company has a story worth telling. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
when I was researching uh, AM Vision, it's interesting to say just how much government has got behind it. New South Wales, uh, federal government, I'm sure other state governments, but also, I guess, the stroke advocacy community. So tell us what that journey's been like. Did they get it from day one? Was there a bit of uh, education that had to go with these groups? Well, well when, when we arrived in, in, in Brisbane and met the research team and, and visited the lab, they actually had three lightweight portable scanners. They had a brain scanner, they had a torso scanner, and they had a skin scanner. And so we evaluated all three. And the reason we took the brain scanner forward is because every clinician, every nurse, every paramedic, every neurologist that we talked to as part of our research process said, this is a good idea, we need this, oh, wow. right? Yeah. So, so, of course, there's always skepticism, show me data or show me more data, which is normal, uh, but no one said this is a bad idea. So uh, that, that gave us a lot of confidence that, this is, that we're starting with a genuine unmet need. And then in terms of the grants have been fantastic. So it's close to $20 million that we've secured in non-dilutive grant funding. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, there's about a $6 billion economic health economic burden in Australia. So you can understand why the government's motivated to support innovations that can reduce that burden. Uh, but also if we can keep manufacture local, you know, if we can create more STEM jobs, they're all good value adds. So... Yeah, it's really exciting. The I guess the health technology that's coming out of Australia. There's obviously some of those big names that you think about, but the amount of innovation that's happening in universities is pretty exciting. I think we definitely punch above our weight. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. So let's uh, turn. Uh, you know, we are a business podcast here. So let's turn to the business uh, and what it could look like going forward. And I guess let's start general. What would the commercial market uh, look like and the business model look like? Mm. So. Uh, to sell a lot of units, you need to be flexible, right? So I'll talk about the purchasing models first. So we're, we're planning two uh, different models, CapEx and OpEx models. We've got two devices under development. One's a cart-based for hospital environment. One's a helmet-based for ambulance environment. Okay, so the pricing models are a, a little different. And just to explain that so people can visualize it, the cart-based is literally you wheel a cart with it and to the patient as opposed to the previous iteration where you wheel the patient to the CT or MRI scan and then... Helmet-based is installed in an ambulance. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Carried in a backpack, operated by trained paramedics, brought in, you know, connected to telestroke. Uh, but price, so with the first generation, the hospital system, uh, we're, we're looking at around 150,000 US for the capital equipment, which about 225 Aussie roughly, uh, that is in line with mid to high end ultrasound and a fraction of CT or MRI. Uh, there's consumables. So there's a disposable cap, there's something called a coupling media, which is a bit like ultrasound gel, which helps, it's contained in the headset, helps our signals penetrate into the brain. We're looking at about $25 per scan, right? Naturally, medical products, you're targeting healthy margins on the capital equipment, but even healthier on the consumables. Uh, and then there's preventative maintenance and service. You know, annual contracts can be about 10% the capital equipment per annum. So is that the other model is a, is a OPEX monthly subscription. And we did a lot of research with a group called IDR Medical uh, for the US in particular to understand, you know, do they prefer, do they want to pay up front? Do they, you know, they want le leasing models? What's the preference? And, and it was basically kind of 50-50. <laughs> okay. You know, it depends when you talk to us how much budget I've got left, et, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So, but we know we need to offer subscription models in certain markets. So approximately 8,000 US a month, you know, fixed term, you know, everything bundled in, the device, training, accessories, consumables, but a quota of consumables. And if they go above, there's a surcharge. So those are the two kind of mainstream purchasing models and then the market itself so 
again, focusing on Gen 1 first, we're looking at ICUs, stroke wards, and regional emergency departments. Okay, and, and the use cases are slightly different based on those. In ICUs and stroke wards, we're looking at a monitoring paradigm after treatment to keep a closer eye on patients. So today, there is nothing by the bedside to image the brain, right? And keep it, have they had a secondary bleed, recurrence, strokes, all these complications that can occur? They have to, you know, sim wait, symptoms appear, send them down to MRI a few days later, it can be too late. So at a larger hospital, that's where we're focusing on. And then at a smaller regional centre, they may not have a CT or someone to run that CT. There's a role at the front door. Yeah, that's, that's probably something that's worth... Uh drilling down on so with a ct or an mri you need a trained radiographer with your devices uh is it uh, any doctor can use it any doctor any nurse uh in our clinical study at the moment nurses are doing a lot of the scans as long as they've had the training and it's you know it's half a day's training at the moment yeah so, wow so it's not not exhaustive but you know g going back to icu stroke wards regional ed centers in the us we estimate there's about ten thousand opportunities in Germany, France, UK, about 6,000, around 500 in Australia. So wow. based on that, that price point we talked about, it's about a $2.5 billion market with those regions. And then you add in South Korea, Japan, China, Latin America, and that number gets very, very big. So you're talking about like a global opportunity here. When you're going through the clinical trials, is you, you can do one clinical trial and then send that data around the world, or do you have to go to each different regulator and do different things? What we're doing is, is designing our study such to generate data that we believe will support the major markets. So, and generally meet FDA, you know, CE, TGA, and, and, and with certain regions there's harmonization as well. So, oh, okay. so historically, if you've had CE mark, there's been a harmonization back to TGA, which is almost an administrative process, essentially. So, so looking at that, that, that market size within, if we drill down a little further, and we talk about, okay, we want to get a foothold. Where's our, you know, our initial market? We believe it's in primary and comprehensive stroke centers. So these are the big stroke hospitals that they're looking after the most patients. And, you know, if we look at the US, there's about 1,600 of those. You know, similar numbers in Germany, France, UK. And, and we have estimate it's about a $350 million opportunity. Yeah, so wow. that's where we want to start, right? Yeah. And, and get a foothold and then grow from there. And... This is, you know, you're selling into hospitals and, you know, government healthcare systems. What's the sales process like there? And um, I imagine it's quite different to, you know, a B2C product selling to these sort of big buyers. Yeah. So, so there's a few things you need, particularly for a new technology, you need an effective podium strategy. So the, the, the percentage of the market that's going to adopt your product will really depend on what's the body of evidence you have out there. And there may be a portion, call it five, ten percent, that are early adopters that will that will take on a new innovative technology earlier. And then there's a portion that are going to wait for some more evidence, more trials, etc. They want to see, you know, outcomes published in the major journals, New England Journal of Medicine, you know, the Lancet, those kinds of things. So there's a process there you have to go through, generate the evidence. Uh, you know, the ultimate goal is to get into guidelines. That's not an overnight journey, but but there is a process and a pathway to get there. And then in places like the US as well, there's strategies around reimbursement, something called the new technology add-on payment program we're looking at because it's not just what are the cost savings you can generate, but what are the prop, you know, the revenue generation opportunities mm, as well okay. by deploying your device. So, um, but it's not just convincing, you know, a key opinion leader and neurologist, you know, that's eminent that, that, that your device has value. You've also got to convince the finance department. Yeah, you yeah, know, that yeah. there's a return there. Yeah. And, and we believe obviously our device is 
cost effective enough, easy to use. There's a lot of advantages that we, we expect to generate. Yeah, of course. So we're recording this on the 18th of July, just to time box it. Uh, you're, we're heading into reporting season. So there's obviously some things you won't be able to tell me. Uh, but I guess of what you can, what's next for AM Vision? Sure. So as a company, I mentioned how, how pivotal that earlier clinical study was for us. And that was with a smaller cohort, 50 patients. We're now in the midst of enrolling in this current stage, 150 patients. And as we progress through the study, we would like to be in a position to make insights uh, as we have previously from our earlier study. So I think this is a big opportunity for us generating positive data uh, out of our study that we're running at present, but also in parallel, we are working on our go-to-market partnerships and what that looks like. You know, we expect to use, work with distributors for our major markets, particularly the US. Uh, we have you know, some relationships with some of the large medical imaging OEMs as well as medical device makers. We're going to be in Chicago uh, later this year at uh, something called RSNA, which is one of the largest medical imaging conferences. And so as we, in parallel, as we're running the clinical study and gearing up for the regulatory approvals process, we're setting up our, um, our the commercial partnerships to, to help enter the markets like the US. And then one question we always like to ask when we have CEOs in the studio is, um, you know, we're long-term investors here at Equity Mates, and we love to think long-term when we're speaking to company leaders. So if you think, you know, 10, 20 years down the line uh, and what AM Vision could be, what does success look like for you? 10, 20 years down the line. Well, something we've learned is, and, and one, of, one, of, one of my colleagues is probably his favorite mantra is, is do one thing, do it do it well and what that means is we don't need seven products to be a multi-billion dollar business you know with our current product stream with the portable two brain scanners uh, focusing on stroke we could be a very successful business but there is opportunity using the same hardware and effectively a software upgrade to tackle other indications traumatic brain injury people have had a fall car accident swelling in the brain you know there's 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 a whole lot of opportunities to expand out our existing product line. And then, you know, like I mentioned, it's a, it, it is a platform technology. You know, we own the rights for looking at lung, liver, you know, skin. But that's, you know, we want to build a healthy business on our existing product line and then tackle, tackle those other, yeah. other markets downstream. Fascinating. Now, uh, Scott, I want to say a massive thank you for coming in. One final question. Um, just before we turn the mics on, you mentioned that National Stroke Week was coming up the 7th to the 13th of August this year. So for people that, like me, weren't aware of some of those stats around strokes, uh, what should we be doing or what should we be aware of in National Stroke Week? Yeah, I, I would encourage everyone to head to the Stroke Foundation website. There's some, there's some fantastic resources there. I mean, we're talking about providing portable urgent brain imaging which is a really important piece of the puzzle but it's not the only piece of the puzzle you know it's it's also important for people to be able to recognize the signs the symptoms of stroke and the better equipped people are to do that the quicker they can call triple zero and 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 then brain imaging can play an important role so stroke foundation is a fantastic advocacy advocacy group and you know we're, we're proud to get behind that uh, initiative Love it. Well, Scott, thanks for uh, joining us today. Good luck uh, uh, with your clinical trials and what comes next. Thanks, Alec. It's been a pleasure. Well, Equity Mates, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Scott Kirkland, the co-founder and CEO of EM Vision. If you want to learn more about EM Vision, there is an article on the Equity Mates website that unpacks the company in a little more detail. Uh, the link to that is in the show notes. 
If you want to hear more episodes of Uncovered, head over to the Uncovered by Equity Mates feed. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Until next episode, thanks for listening. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have physicians in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 